Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Halloween, World Series, football, basketball, soccer, hockey. With all due respect to Andy Williams, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Would it be better if the Mets, not the Braves, were in the World Series? Well, sure. As Dale said to Brennan in Step Brothers, yup. But this is what we got, and it's still pretty good. And it's a chance to get caught up on all things New York Mets in about 20 minutes, too. God bless America. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. So last week, we talked about that little green monster called Envy. There's also a larger green monster in Boston, a medium-sized monster who lives in a trash can on Sesame Street and whatever the hell the Astros mascot is supposed to be. Put on some damn pants, man. Good Lord. Uh, We'll have a little bit of an envy party today, but we'll go down some other lesser-traveled paths as well. Josh Lewin with you, tour guide, docent, filler of time. Thanks, as always, for being here. We've got uh, four items to be checked off before this music bed makes a comeback at the end. Number one, we'll get you some current team news. Number two, we'll do some older team news. Number three, a bit about the Mets minor league system with the Arizona Fall League and winter ball in full swing. And number four, this whole being jealous of a Waffle House town and how we deal with that. As of this recording, the Braves still alive and kicking, uh, kicking quite well, trying to chase down what would be their second ever World Series title for the so-called ATL, the Battle of the Airline Hubs, Delta against United, Atlanta against Houston. Uh, Braves' envy is still in our systems. I, I can feel it, and we'll address it. But first, let's do that first topic, current Mets news you can use. The Gold Glove Award finalists were unveiled on Twitter last week. Wow, Twitter. <laughs> That's a good get. Good job, baseball. Uh, the winners will be revealed Sunday, November 7th. No love for Taiwan Walker or Marcus Stroman, who really should be in play to be the first Mets Gold Glove pitchers since R.A. Dickey, and only one of them can win it. But uh, at least there is a shot for Lindor at shortstop. Had a 978 fielding percentage. That's an old-school stat. Committed 10 errors. Of course, we've watched him make some scintillating plays all year. There's this outs-above-average metric, OAA. It's a range-based thing. Tells you how many outs a player has saved. In this category, Lindor led all National League fielders with 20 of those bad boys. It was second in all of baseball. Four defensive runs saved. Uh, Brandon Crawford is a finalist. He had 15 OAA, had six 
defensive run saved, nine errors uh, to the 10 that Lindor had. Then you've got Kevin Newman of the Pirates, only three errors, nine defensive runs saved, but only three of those OAA. So kind of a toss-up here, but sometimes whoever has a track record gets the nod on this stuff. Lindor, a two-time gold glover in the AL, Crawford three times with the Giants. It's a crapshoot, and all we can say is good luck to Frankie Lindor. Your weekly Pobo update, uh, who will win the raffle and become the Mets' next president of baseball operations. It's beginning to look like this might just be a GM job after all for a while and wait on Pobo. Uh, By the way, once Zach Scott has his day in court for his DUI, could still be Zach Scott in charge of some stuff or someone else already on Mets' payroll. Hiring from within is not always a horrible idea. But you know what else is good? I thought we all agreed that due diligence is good. You guys really want to rush this process just so there's a name on a desktop nameplate by some arbitrary deadline like Veterans Day? Whoever signs up for this is very likely only going to have until December 1st to get anything done anyway. That's when the PBA expires and the whole um, everything is put in a freeze mode, possibly for months. So if the right man or woman is available and you can get them in there by, say, 11-11, great, awesome. If not... The Mets are, are not the laughing stock that a lot of the media is portraying them to be. Not for this, anyway. I mean, we can do a whole other podcast on some other stuff. But you guys wanted names floated out there. So names were floated out there. It, I'll put it to you this way. If I had said to you, once I left the radio broadcast, the Mets are going to go after Bob Costas, they're going to go after John Miller, and they're going to try to lure Vin Scully out of retirement. You'd have said, that's awesome. The Mets are shooting high. But would you have been surprised that those so-called candidates ended up being non-starters. I mean, happy where they are or happily retired. Maybe they don't want to move to New York. The Mets did promote from within in the radio booth. And now you've got the dulcet tones of Wayne with Howie, which is awesome. I mean, he was hired, what, in late January, the year I left. So let's all take it easy because there are good candidates in the house. There are plenty of good candidates still out there. You hear the name of Raquel Ferreira, totally qualified out of Boston. She's the one who convinced Sandra Bogarts to sign what ended up being a bargain of a deal for the Sox. We've heard about the Twins assistant GM, Daniel Adler, 34-year-old Harvard grad, uh, NFL pedigree, really interesting guy. Uh, And maybe the Mets just kind of do a a holding pattern thing here, promote from within, have somebody run it for a year, and then go full bore after a, a David Stearns in a year or two or someone like that. It's a sparse current front office crew, but it could, if necessary, make the calls on the qualifying offers to Conforto and Syndergaard. Hiring a manager, I I know, is a little bit tougher. Bob Melvin would have been just a home run uh, had he been able to to wiggle to New York. He ended up in San Diego. Ron Washington could replace Melvin in Oakland. Would he be a fit in New York? He, He would certainly bring a lot of energy. Beltron could be invited back. Bochi could be lured out of retirement. I mean, as of this recording, it is a wide open meadow that we're looking at for that chair. Some player news. Jose Martinez, Corey Oswalt, Jose Peraza, Robert Stock, all option to AAA. All four guys said, uh, yeah, no. They're all free agents instead now. Obviously, welcome to come back, but also welcome to kick the tires on 29 other teams or Japan or whatever. Why does it already feel like Corey Oswalt is going to win 12 games as a Seattle Mariner next year? Let's uh, let's move on to topic three out of four. I promised you guys a season in review from 2021. 
Fortunately, the Mets crack media relations department puts out this voluminous tome giving us podcast types plenty of ideas on what to tell future generations about this past year's ball club. I figured I would sand this down to the 12 most interesting things to tell you from their season and review packet. Why 12? As Belushi answered to Flounder in Animal House. Why not? Uh, the Mets' Zach attack, the PR whiz kids of Zach Weber, Zach Becker, uh, obviously Ethan Wilson, all those guys. They found 97, 97 talking points they thought us media types needed to know when summing up what worked and what didn't work about the Mets during 21. Some of these things, as you may expect, total filler. I mean, if your job is to wave the banner for all things Mets, why not reach a little bit when you do it? The more, the merrier. So, for example, I'll spare you the nugget about which Mets homered on their birthdays or the one about what day it was when Jonathan VR homered from both sides of the plate. But of the 97 story ideas from the Mets about the Mets, here are the top 12 that I found pretty cool to click add to cart and put on a 20-odd minute podcast. Okay, the Mets were in first place. From Saturday, May 8 to Saturday, August 8, 90 straight days in first place, the longest run atop the division last 14 seasons. I like that one. Uh, Mets were 44 and 32 with a 3.4 ERA against teams that were below 500. Um, they were 33 and 53 with a 4.3 against teams that were 500 or better. That helps tell a story too. The Mets used 64 players, franchise record. The old record was 56. 19 starting pitchers, tied for most in the majors, 42 different pitchers overall, most of any team has used in one year in Major League history. Mets had to play 14 doubleheaders. That's uh, the first time since 1979 anybody's had to do that. You go to August 13 to 26, the Mets played those 13 straight games against the Dodgers and Giants. They were the first team to play that many games against teams with a 600 winning percentage or better that deep into a season since the Blue Jays of 1980. And those Blue Jays went 4-9 and nine with their gauntlet. The Mets, as you might recall, went 2-11 and 11 to spin out. Uh, for a while, Mets pitching was phenomenal at home. Remember that stretch? They had 11 games, May 8 to June 12, then again June 14 to 26, where they allowed three runs or fewer in all those home games. Longest streak in the majors in 2021, longest by a Mets team since May of 1965. Some Aaron Loop talk because he finished up with that .95 ERA, first player in Mets history to go under one ERA with at least 20 innings pitched. He had DeGrom's 1.08, second lowest ERA in franchise history. Uh, Josh Edgen, 1.32. That is the record for lowest ERA with that minimum of innings that we discussed. Uh, Josh Edgen with a 1.32 in 2014. You could have given me... 9,000 guesses. I would not have said Josh Edgen had that record. Some stuff on DeGrom, just kind of going forward. 146 punch-outs was, of course, leading the league at the time. He was leading in so many things. Uh, was tied for the Mets' lead with seven wins. Ended up t- uh, tied for third uh, at the end of the season, even though he, he stopped pitching when he stopped pitching on July 7th. 1,500 strikeout milestone. A uh, lot of stuff happening with it. We could do a whole podcast on what DeGrom did. You've got um, the second fastest to 1,500 strikeouts. You Darvish, uh, the only guy ahead of him. You got DeGrom getting there faster than Randy Johnson did. Some Pete Alonso stuff, eighth player in big league history with 100 or more homers in his first three major league seasons. Remember, one of those seasons was the COVID season, only 60 games. 
uh, Ryan Howard, the only guy faster to, to get to where Alonzo got. Marcus Stroman finished the season ninth in the majors with a 3.02 ERA. We could talk for a while about him. Seventh in the majors, uh, fifth in the National League in ground ball rate. And some Javi Baez stuff. He and Trevor Williams, of course, coming over from the Cubs. 47 games with the Mets, a 299 batting average, as it turned out. Uh, 886 OPS. 13 walks in 47 games with the Mets. That's basically what he had in 91 games with the Cubs. And the last couple things to throw in, actually, I'll smash them together. Uh, the Hall of Fame. John Matlack, Ron Darling, Edgardo Alfonso going in on July 31st. Al Jackson posthumous, posthumously honored as well. I can never say posthumously correctly. And the Mets named their Spanish radio booth at City Field in honor of the great Juan Alisea, who has been behind the Mets microphone for more games than even Gary Cohen, another of the Mets' phenomenal radio and TV broadcasters. Now they just need a podcast guy that can pronounce posthumously without killing himself. All right, so there you go. 12 things to put in the time capsule and always remember about the 2021 Mets. Thank you, Mets PR staff, for helping with that summation. On to our third topic after this. All right, so we really hadn't had this since the 90s, but now it's true again, and we really should talk it through. Mets fans are jealous of the Atlanta Braves, and I get it. On July 10th, the Braves lost Ronald Acuna Jr., their best player, one of the best in the whole league, torn ACL. The next morning, they look at the standings. They're four and a half back. You know the rest. They go 44 and 28 the rest of the way. The Mets were continually stepping on a series of rakes like Sideshow Bob. They finished 29 and 45. So that's the first thing. The Braves figured out how to consistently win games down the stretch without Acuna. The Mets lost to Grom, and it was like this physical and emotional haymaker. They just careened off into the ditch, and they stayed there. The imported Braves, the the partial season guys, Peterson, Rosario, Duvall, Soler, those guys combined for a three wins above replacement. The Mets' big in-season acquisitions, Baez and Rich Hill, you could throw in there. Uh, They did not get to three. That just didn't happen. I look at the stability of the Braves' infield, making just 37 errors all year. The Mets' infield made 61. Atlanta, under the tutelage of the aforementioned Ron Washington, just put on a fielding clinic all year. That is something I really wouldn't mind seeing get cleaned up for 22 in Flushing. And and not for nothing, getting Matt Chapman in from Oakland to play third base, that would help a lot. It's not my money, I'm I'm just saying. Um, Any help from within on this front is something I I get asked a lot. How close are some of these minor leaguers? That gets us to our final topic today, prospect watch. Because Baseball America has updated their Mets top 10 prospects. Still at the top, you got number one, the catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Number two, Brett Beatty. Number three, Ronnie Mauricio. Number four is Mark Vientos. There's a little mixing and matching after that. Young players there, all of them, not ready to help right away. They're not. But if not now, when? So let's get to our guest. R.M. Layton runs an operation called JustBaseball.com. Here's his take in a quick conversation to be presented to you after I hit this button. Wrong button, obviously. This button here. I asked Aram, is it correct to say that we're going a little overboard on the hype for the young catcher Alvarez? Because after all, there's lots of good catching prospects all around the sport. Here's his answer. Yes and no. Because I think you're 100% right with that notion. But I also think Mets fans have 
every right to be extra excited about Francisco Alvarez, uh, who I think is one of the most special catching prospects I've seen in a while, other than the only guy ahead of him right now, which is one of the best catching prospects we've seen in a very long time in Adley Rutschman, a switch hitter who can do it all. But at 19 years old, what Francisco Alvarez is already showing, how can you not dream about this guy? How can you not get excited about him? And I think the difference with an Alvarez versus you talk about the prospect hype and how fans really latch on to like a Jason Dominguez who Yankees fans have, you know, pumped up in every way imaginable, ton of to be excited about there. But what Alvarez has done is, is show I mean, the proof is in the results already at 19 years old in high A to hit 22 home runs there and uh, to do what he has done already to show the polish as a catcher, as a 19-year-old, as physical as he is. I mean, you can only just dream on how good he could end up being for this team. And I think he could be the number one prospect in baseball uh, once Adley gets out of the way and, and Bobby Witt and a couple other of these guys. So is there a comp? I mean, everybody with the Mets immediately says, well, is he Piazza? I mean, I don't know about that, but is he Todd Hundley? Does he have that kind of power or what do we realistically expect? I think the power is, is, is right there with anybody's. I really believe it's going to come down to how consistently, you know, he's going to be able to, to hit because that's obviously a big part of baseball. But when it comes to the raw power, I mean, we saw him in the futures game, especially where he hit a ball that I don't think left more than 20 feet off the ground, straight line drive that got out of there in about half a second. He's 5'10, 230 pounds, but it's, it's muscle. I don't know if you can create a, a parallel to somebody as physical as he is at 19 years old. If, if that hit tool continues to develop, which I think is way ahead of its years, I think that 35, 40 home runs isn't out of the question. And if that's the case, then he is on par with some of those guys. Obviously, there's a lot to prove still through the minor leagues, and we got to see how he handles the upper-level pitching. A lot of guys hit a wall in double-A, but to be able to do what he did in high-A as a 19-year-old, the raw tools are there, and I think he's further along in terms of his progression than almost any other player in his age range. How about Ronnie Mauricio? We've got Luis Guillorme on this podcast, too, and you know that's a guy who is very good defensively and can play multiple positions. Is that the, the kind of upside for Mauricio or is it beyond that? See, here's my issue with, with Mauricio. As you talk about uh, uh, Louis Guillaume, who I absolutely love, I actually played against him in high school. One of the toughest guys to ever get out imaginable. You're just like accepting that best case. It was a single and just hope he didn't split the gap. And uh, the thing with Mauricio is, is he's a lot different than that because he's much more volatile. I think there's so many more wide ranges of outcomes with Mauricio. The power potential is there. I think it's undoubtable, you know, what he is able to do when he connects, but he doesn't connect consistently enough. He doesn't quite have those bat to ball skills you'd like to see. Yes. He's 20 years old, but he's been in the minors now since 2018 and he hasn't made those adjustments that you'd hope. He still never walked more than 6% of the time in a year. He's consistently striking out, though, more than 23 24%, which is palatable if he's walking a little bit. I think there's just a lot of questions with him, and that's why he didn't quite make our top 100. I know that surprised a lot of people. Uh, but I just need to see more. Like, what am I betting on with this guy? The glove is a bit inconsistent. The bat-to-ball skills are a bit inconsistent. We're, we're betting on tools here, and I haven't seen enough production I'm really willing to throw him into the top 100 list if he puts it together. But what I like about Guillaume is he's a high floor guy because he can pick it. He is really hard to strike out, as we saw from that famous however many pitches it was in the spring training at bat. I want to see a little bit more of that out of Mauricio. Right now, it seems like he's selling out for power and uh, just not enough contacts going on right now. 
Big thanks to RM Layton from Just Baseball. We will very shortly, by the way, have some interviews with some of these young players for you to enjoy. We'll begin with Brett Beatty, the big Texan with the big teeth, and really thoughtful answers, as you'll hear, coming your way on a uh, podcast very soon. As for this podcast, it's over. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. House band's playing. Lights are coming up. Our Mets in the Morning house band this time comprised of the following expert musicians. On keyboards, Jerry Grody. Slapping to bass, Victor Black. The horn section, Neil Walker. And on drums, did you know that was Ramon Ramirez? This is Josh Lewin. Sorry I had the music from the Jeffersons in there at one point, but point of order, maybe the greatest TV theme song ever. If you disagree, hit me up the way MLB announces Gold Glove candidates on Twitter. I'm at Josh Lewin Stuff. And like Tom Bodette used to say on the commercials, we'll leave the light on for you. Peace and love. Let's go Mets. See ya.